Screw it, screw it, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. Hello and welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man. This is the podcast where we go over the original issues of the Spider-Man comic done by the original creative team of Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. This episode, we're going over issue 34. Uh, I'm one of your two co-hosts. My name's Will Hines. My name is Kevin Hines, and I am the other co-host that was, up till this point, unnamed. I waited really until the last second. I, uh... If somebody like bailed incredibly early on those podcasts, they'll never know you existed. That's fine. I don't want to take credit for what happened before this moment. So this is really this is really where I shine, and I feel like this is where I want my credit. Um, yeah, in this podcast, we talk about the original comics by Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. These are comics we grew up reading. Yeah, Kevin and I uh, are brothers, and we're also performers from the UCB Theater. So we are comedian-ish, and. Um, <laughs> Uh, and we're huge comic book fans. We're not experts other than lifelong enthusiasm. We are passion as passionate as experts without the knowledge base that comes with that. Yeah, we're just as sure of ourselves, but none of the qualifications. Yeah. Uh, and we're coming off of three issues that we have heralded as the greatest comic books all of ever and also the greatest the greatest story told in any medium ever the the greatest narrative ever constructed yeah uh and so now we're the next issue so it's gonna be a bit of a letdown bit of a letdown um uh yeah this is issue 34 uh uh craven the hunter is our villain it's his third appearance yeah i think it's his third appearance counting the sinister six yeah and um uh, maybe more importantly that we're reaching the end of the run done by the original artist Steve Ditko, who at this point is also the writer, basically. He's not the, he's not the descriptor. He doesn't do the dialogue, but the yeah. plotter and illustrator, co-creator. We're, we're reaching the end of his run, which is the end of the first big era of Spider-Man comics. Yeah, this is issue 34, and uh, Ditko's last issue is 38. So we do yeah. the math. Do the math, people. That's uh, at least at least under two. Under 12. Yeah, so we're getting close. And... Um, you got to wonder: Was this guy? Does this guy know he's at the door at this point? Is he is he merely disgruntled and thinking about quitting? Is he given his notice? I have no idea. Um, but I will get into it. So uh, before we get into the actual issue, um, let's get into our segment. We do the cover first. Yeah, I think we can get this out of order a lot. I, okay, so it's probably okay. But yeah, we usually talk about the cover first, sort of as a teaser teaser for what's coming. And I think this cover is pretty good. I think this cover this cover is on the good side of okay. Yeah, it's uh, Craven is sort of, it seems like Craven is just falling to his death. Yeah. Uh, and he's about to land on Spider-Man who's clinging to the side of a building. But I guess really Craven is pouncing yeah. on Spider-Man. Craven probably has some kind of plan here. Uh, the title is The Thrill of the Hunt. It's a nice, simple cover, but it's still kind of bold and nice. Sometimes these covers look like weird pastiches or collages that are thrown together. Sometimes they look like weak panels you know like in movie posters sometimes they just like photoshop the four stars heads in like a weird arrangement yeah but try to make it look like it was a real photo and it's like what is this yeah that's not sometimes spider-man covers look like that this isn't one of them this looks natural this shows off ditko's designs as well as his uh character work i don't know if i saw this and i had never read a spider-man comic i'd be like this comic looks cool this comic looks cool so we give the cover i'm gonna give it a b i'm gonna give it a b plus hot take uh yeah and uh what do you think overall of the issue before we get into segments i thought it was pretty good i mean i thought it was like yeah it kind of wrapped up abruptly but like most of the way i i like the subplots i weirdly think it should have been better like there's no piece of this i don't like there's lots of pieces of this story that i think are really fun Mm -hmm. they just don't quite hit me and i don't know whether it's just i'm tired today when i reread it yeah or if it's coming off the master planner saga or if something is just a little missing, but there's you no piece do, of it. That's bad. You know what I do think is interesting about the, so this is like, as, as we said, we're reaching the end of Steve did goes run. He's kind of just finished his big story, his big three part story. That would be like the best story he ever did. So maybe even he knew he was kind of like catching his breath or like, you know, kind of going through the motions for a couple issues or something like that. But you know what I find interesting is, I still like these better than a lot of the John Romita stories that would come. John Romita is the artist who takes over, who's an excellent artist. And there are excellent stories. Many people would say, and it would be hard to argue with them, made as much an impact as Ditko, if not more, just in the sense of his vision of Spider-Man, his look of Spider-Man 
is what most people saw first and what a lot of yeah, all the, artists modeled after. Yeah, the merchandise was based on Ramita. Ramita did more issues. Ramita takes over as Spider-Man is a huge hit and continues to grow. And as much you know, as whereas we, all the early Ditko issues were done when Spider-Man was, no one knew who he was. Yeah, and as much as we talk about the Master Planner saga being the greatest story, like the Green Goblin stories that Ramita does are more as famous. big and maybe more famous. They've been adapted into more mediums. But I have trouble reading a lot of the Ramita stories. Like I tried, I want, I once decided, I once thought I was going to be like a completist and read all of the, at least the amazing Spider-Man. And I couldn't get through the Ramitas. And I was, I don't have that feeling reading these Ditkos. I think a little bit it's, um, Lee had more control. And as much as we praise Lee for being great, I think he benefited from the, uh, tugging of Ditko. They like they pulled each other in a fun way. And I think Ramito was like, whatever you want, Stan. He just kind of did what the boss ordered. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so it's like, it gets a little, uh, we don't know if that's true shallower. though, right? We don't know. I'm making it all up. Yeah. <laughs> um, well anyway, I, I thought this was like just okay, but I, I still liked it. I don't know. It's, it was, it, to me, it was like the, the a Beatles cover song, which is like, I don't replay it a lot, but it's good. Great. So, um, I mean, when the Beatles covered 1950s rock and roll songs. Not when they did covers of Marvel comics. Right. Not when they did covers of Spider-Man comics. They weren't great artists. Their covers of Spider-Man were subpar. <laughs> um, so before we get into the actual issue, we do segments where we talk about what's going on in the Marvel Universe right now. Not much. Nothing. Uh, podcast news. There's no podcast news. Uh, and then Spider-Man news. Big Spider-Man news. And the big Spider-Man news is a new video game came out, and people have been emailing us, asking us to talk about this video game. It's for the PS4. Yeah. It's sort of an open-world-ish Spider-Man thing modeled after Batman Arkham something. Uh, and that sentence there should tell you how little I know about video games. Yeah, uh, I don't own a video game system. Neither does Kevin anymore. I own a, I, I own a Nintendo Switch. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I haven't had a video game system since the Atari 2600. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know anything about this. But people are freaking out. Like, this yeah. game has got huge splash on social media. It's huge. Everyone loves it. People are really excited by it. I want to play it. I'm curious to play it also. But not enough to buy a PS4. Uh, like a whole system. Yeah, a whole system to play this one game. Um, I'm bad at video games too. I'm not great at them either. So, and I get impatient when they're in the open world, millions of quests to finish like that irritates my completest nature. And I'm like, well, I'll never be able to do it all. So I don't want to do any of it, but I haven't tried it. Like that could, maybe I'll be won over immediately. And anyway, everyone's raving about this game. I'm sure it's great. It looks great. The reviews are great. I've played two Spider-Man games in my life. Oh, I know. I think I know the first one, and I played that the one, too. The first one we both played, right? The Activision it, Spider-Man the, game? Yeah, the Atari 2600 Activision Spider-Man game where you were climbing a building <laughs> to get to the Green Goblin at the top just by shooting webs up and not hitting windows. Yeah, if your web lands on not a window or not sky, you keep going up. Yeah, and he, doesn't then the mini- his, he doesn't use his wall-crawling ability in this game. He's just shooting webs and pulling himself up. I love that game. <laughs> I played it a lot. Uh, it's a bad game, but it's I think because it was Spider-Man, it was just like, oh, I'm going to play this game. I remember the lot. sound design being very empty. Like, it's just quiet, except for like, shook, shook. <laughs> and you could swing, but it was like, it didn't pay off to generally swing. There was no the point to swing. you want to do. Yeah. Uh, I think that game was not good, probably. Yeah, but I played that game. Okay, that's the only one I've ever played. And then I had a Nintendo Wii for a while. I'm a Nintendo guy because those games are easier. Okay. And I had a Nintendo Wii because I wanted to play the Zelda game, and I bought Shattered Dimensions, where you play a Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2099, I think Ultimate Spider-Man and Spider-Man Noir. Okay. And uh, set it on the easiest uh, uh, baby mode. Okay. And it was a blast. I had so much fun with it. And that's why I sort of do want to play this game. I think I just have fun swinging around and punching people for a while. I'd probably just go through the story and not do any side missions and be very satisfied. Right. Um, but I think the listeners of our podcast who play video games, this, we sound like idiots. We probably sound like idiots. Um, I'd like to do it. If anybody out there who I am friends with, uh, David Christensen, and I, you're the only friend of mine I know who listens, um, uh, has a PS4, I want to try it. And I posted on our Instagram and Twitter that I would love for someone to buy me a PS4 so I could play this game. Yeah. And so if you're interested in doing that, email me, I'll give you my address. You can send me a PS4 and I will play the game. I promise. Um, that's my promise to you. If you spend four hundred dollars on me, you'll play it. I'll buy the game, which is another sixty bucks. Probably. Okay, yeah. So you're, you're we're both getting invested uh, here. Yeah. Um, well, we if uh, we'll give our email address at the end of the episode again. But we are screw it, Spidey at Gmail. If anybody's playing this game and wants to tell us why it's so lovely, we'd like to know. Yeah. And again, if or if you want to just buy, or just, me if you're just going to send us a 
some kind of digital I mean, gift certificate if, to buy the game. The makers of PlayStation are listening. Uh, are listening right now? We would accept PlayStations. Heads up, we will accept free video we, games. We accept free stuff. Yep. Um, yeah, but that's big news. If you like Spider Man, like it's probably the greatest Spider Man game of all time. From Makes what sense. I understand, makes sense. Um, okay, so that's uh, Spider Man news. So I guess we get into the issue now. Yeah, let's get into the issue now. Um, yeah, so this this story I, I think is like pretty good. Like I remember these post master planner stories as being not too great. Nah, it's still pretty good, and the op- it opens great. I think there's a lot of like I was saying. There's a lot of elements I really liked the story. Uh, Craven having only been in one real issue, kind of Sinister Six almost doesn't count. Uh, I think is. Uh, ready for a comeback so it's nice to have a story with him he's a good character to follow this up with yeah you know instead of going page by page let's I have not pitched this to Kevin I'm pitching this right now okay I'm ready to reject it go okay just because the story is not too seminal let's risk doing it a bad I don't mean for this to be a bad way to go over the story but it might be a faster way let's just go thread by thread like Let's just talk about the whole Craven story, then the whole Gwen Stacy story, and like just in conversation with each other. Okay. The whole Betty Brandt thing. And let's just see if that feels right. Okay. So we'll like say what it is and then talk about it. Okay. I, I reject this. Okay. <laughs> let's do it. So Craven, he uh, is in Africa, I guess. He starts out in Africa. A and wild he game, and he's sad because he never caught Spider-Man. So the, the issue here is he goes to New York to hunt Spider-Man. Yeah. And the first... and. And so that's that's the main plot or whatever. Um, this there's pe- not a lot to that. There really isn't that much more than that. I guess his the thing he does first is he impersonates Spider-Man. Yeah. And sort of ruins Spider-Man's reputation, which happens every three issues. There's been a number of people who pretended to be Spider-Man and ruined him. Mysterio did it. Uh, Chameleon did it. Yeah. I think did it happen on one other time. Craven does it again in the 80s. Yeah, sure. Maybe it's just because we, we covered that story. Yeah. Um, um, but, and then Spider-Man is sort of motivated to, extra motivated to like figure out what's going on so that his rep can go back to its normal bad yeah. level. And I think one of the elements that should have worked better for me is that Craven mostly spends his time as Spider-Man hounding J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, That's a very funny idea that just like Spider-Man is just not just sort of annoying him, but hounding him, chasing him, showing up wherever he goes, threatening him. It's Jonah's worst nightmare. And I would really love to have that fleshed out and played like this idea of Jonah just being like, oh, my God, I I, I pushed this guy over the deep end. I finally poked the bear one too many times. Uh, but that we don't really get into that. It's sort of no. just surface level stuff. I'm like, this could have been a great story of yeah. Jonah, jo- a great comic Jonah story. Yeah, I think you're the, one of the main problems of this comic is the A story. The Craven story is kind of the worst one. Like, yeah, he hounds Jonah. That's not really played out well. Then when they fight, the fight's really boring, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they just sort of tussle for a little bit, and Spider-Man wins it by punching him. He, he f- lands a good punch. And he's out. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, maybe there's a little minor detail in that story that I like, which is part of, in the final fight, a Craven either recruits or some other gang of toughs is just nearby. Yeah, they're just nearby. So, so they these thugs see Spider-Man go into a building and go like, this is our chance to get Spider-Man. And again, I think that's a really fun element, because for a little bit, both Craven and Spider-Man are fighting the thugs. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's even fun. But it's like a panel here or there. It doesn't really impact. The, it doesn't carry any weight. It doesn't pay off too well. And I think that's a really fun idea, too. Like, those are great ideas for story elements. Did if you co- pitched me this story, I'd be like, this story is going to be fantastic. A plus. And then I read it. I'm like, ah, it's a B. Ditko, um, oh, the name of that gang is, it's just revealed in one speech balloon, the Nails Hogan Gang, which I love that. Yeah. They're the Nails Hogan gang. You probably guys. heard of them because they, they tormented the city in the sixties. We've yeah. all heard about the the true crime family Nails Hogan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think Ditko likes to do a lot of like he didn't do it well on this issue, but we've seen him do well where there's like kind of it's almost like a farcical intersection of multiple things. Like Flash Thompson decides he's going to save Spider-Man's rep and wanders into the lair of the actual supervillain. Well, and then Spidey has to like save Flash and stop the villain or whatever. If the Nails Hogan gang was done better, I would say it would elevate the element of this last fight, which on the surface is nothing much. Spidey, they tussle a little bit. Spider-Man punches him and knocks him out. Yeah. But if there's also, he's trying to like stop this gang that's trying to get at him and Craven's also being annoyed by them. That'd just be fun. Also just say nails Hogan more. 
Like yeah. that name is so funny. Missed May- opportunity. Maybe open on the Nails Hogan gang being like, we need a break. And then Craven shows up and it's like this, you know, whatever. Uh, Craven does drink a couple steaming cups of uh, yeah. potions, which I enjoyed. They're making a bigger deal about his potions too. Like apparently they're giving him strength. I don't remember that being said. I before. don't think it was, but now it's, he's, it, it makes him more powerful. He's as strong as jungle animals. Well. It opens up with him wrestling a lion, which I thought was the best fight in the whole book. I think the lion should have won. Me too. That would have been a great twist. And then the lion should have come after Spider-Man. So let's go over the one of the the main subplot is the Betty Brant subplot. Yeah, that's the next subplot we. I hit. thought the Betty Brant story was done, but it's yeah, not it's, over it, yet. It does not end for a little. We're while. not going to cover the end of it. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, so it's going to be it's going to happen sometime in the Ramita eras. There's definitely a, a moment, and I don't remember what issue. I need to skim ahead and look where they talk and they're like, "Oh, we're broken up," and Spider Man's kind of okay with it. I would guess he took like five years to come to that decision, um, but I don't know when that happens. <laughs> Sorry, I'm allergic to subplots that go on too long. Um, so just in case this is the first episode ever of our podcast that you're listening to, sure. Betty Brandt is J. Jonah, has been J. Jonah Jameson's secretary, J. Jonah Jameson, the publisher of the yes. Daily Bugle, Peter's first girlfriend. Yes. And they were going out for a while, but then uh, it was revealed that Betty, because her brother got mixed up with the mob and murdered, hates danger and violence and drama. And Peter realizes she could never accept that he's Spider-Man. And that sort of ends the relationship but they're just kind of they still have feelings for each other yeah and now another it's not that easy to stop loving I someone. cut it off no emotions um i hate that my wife is always going out and fighting crime and I've, ha- I've had to come to grips with that i say your marriage is in trouble <laughs> um she's just she's a superhero <laughs> <laughs> uh i like um and then Betty Brennan has been proposed to by another man, Ned Leeds, the probably too old for her Ned Leeds. Yeah. Another, a reporter of the Daily Bugle. So she basically has to choose between Ned and Peter. She loves Peter, but Ned is available. Yeah. Spoiler alert. They get married. They get married. So um, the, so in the subplot here, we open up with a crazy sequence. Yes. Where Betty confronts Peter and says, I know you're hiding a secret. Tell me what it is. And he says, I'm Spider-Man. And just reveals it. Rips off his shirt, climbs up the walls, and it turns out to be a nightmare that Betty's having. And she's like, well, that can't be true. That'd be the worst thing ever. But her subconscious figured it out. Her subconscious is the great detective. Um, but that really yeah, tells Sherlock it. Holmes, Batman, and Betty Brant's subconscious mind. Those are the three greatest. Number four is Hercule Poirot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. His Five is Miss Marple, tied with fourth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Screw It. We're just going to rank uh, fictional detectives. <laughs> um, I don't know where House would go, Columbo. My brain's tune, already spinning. Tune in next week where we rank more fictional detectives. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, Betty Brant's Nightmare tells us that, as we've established many times before in this comic, she's not right for Peter. And um, But they kind of argue about it throughout this issue, right? And then no, Betty Brant... They don't see each other. Oh. Uh, Peter... Decides not to go sell photographs at the Daily Bugle because he doesn't want to confront. He doesn't want to see Betty. Mm. Uh, And we find out. At the end of the issue. At the end of the issue, she stopped working at the Bugle. She also doesn't want to see Peter, and so she quit her job. Yeah. Um, It's kind of dramatic. And then the replacement for her kind of looks like her in a wig. So you think that's her? I mean, that's just another way they could have gone. (laughs) Ditko wasn't able to draw a different woman's face, and so they had an opportunity (laughs) to make it either... Betty in disguise or a twin, you yeah, know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Well, um, so that's something to think about. That's interesting. Um, so that's a subplot that goes on throughout it. Another one is that um, Peter goes back to college, and his soon-to-be love interest Gwen Stacy, um, he they kind of start flirting a little bit. They start flirting a little bit. Also, Peter learns that over the last three issues, everybody at his college has grown to hate him. Yeah, uh, he doesn't know it. See, his Aunt May was sick in the last three issues on Death's Door. Death's Door. And he... He went to the biggest emotional crisis of his whole life. And he sort of blocked everything out and didn't notice that by alienating everyone at school, they hate him now. They hate him. Uh, teenagers in the Spider-Man comic are portrayed as incredibly emotional people. Yeah. If you show a moment of weakness, you're branded a coward and you're hated for it. Yeah. And if you are, I guess, quiet... Yeah. For a couple weeks. You're clearly arrogant. You're full of yourself. Just because you want a scholarship, scholarship boy. Yeah. Just because you didn't talk to us means you're a jerk. Yes. Now, 
And but, even the teachers sort of give him guff about it in those last three issues. So in this issue... They really rub in. The, everybody Everybody knows he has a scholarship, and they really hate him for it. Yeah. And in this issue, we find out that, He's the poorest kid in the universe. <laughs> like, and they're really treating him like he's a spoiled rich kid because he probably got like $1,000 worth of free classes yeah. and, spread and, out over four and years. Peter uh, realizes this issue. Everyone hates him. And he's like, well, nothing I can do about that. He has, he a, pre- he has a pretty does- healthy attitude, though. For Peter, yeah, he doesn't get angry. He used to Usually get real he wallows. Angry. He's kind of like, well, what am I going to do about it? I'll just work hard and they'll come around. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's still sort of worried about Aunt May. Cause that's also a subplot going on in the story is Aunt May is home. But she just got out of the hospital. Just got out of the hospital. Peter's kind of worried about becoming Spider-Man again while she's recovering. That's Can, fair. I'm going to say this subplot, this like Gwen Stacy college student subplot was my favorite one in the book. Yeah. Because it was like kind of lighthearted. Like the Master Planner trilogy, for all that I love it, that we just got out of, is so intense and like kind of dramatic that I just miss lighthearted Spidey. And Spidey's kind of in a good mood throughout this issue. Yes. He's like, you know, he's the worst is over for him. And so he's pretty chill. And um, I think it's because it's a relief. It's because of these early Ditko issues that I don't really like Gwen more. A lot of people prefer Gwen to Mary Jane, his eventual serious girlfriend. Yes. And I've always been more of a Mary Jane guy if I had to pick between the two. Uh, But these stories like Gwen is sort of, you know, everyone wants to date her. She's sort of toying with everyone. She's mean to Peter because he ignored her. She's basically a smarter Liz Allen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I just, I don't. There's nothing about that that doesn't win you me. over. Yeah. Huh? I don't understand what makes her so interesting. What makes her such a great match? How about those crazy eyebrows? I mean, she's got the most insanely drawn eyebrows in any Ditko character. She, you know, I, a Ditko designed female is more interesting to me than a Ramita designed Mary Jane for sure. But just personality wise, Gwen doesn't seem to have anything that I've read that really stood out to me. Mary Jane doesn't really either initially, but I've read later stories where she does. I guess Gwen Stacy is one of those characters where. You're supposed to think she's cool because we're told she's cool. Like, they don't demonstrate it, really. I mean, she's created to be Peter Parker's girlfriend. So, like, Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. We all think it should work out. Yeah. She's just going to shriek at him. What do you think about her shoes? We get a good look at her shoes. Very sensible. On page, on panel four of page. Page six. Yeah, there's a, there's a cool, like, sort of Oxfords she's rocking there. Yeah, she's not I, wearing heels or anything. She's not dressed up too much. I think they're rad. I mean, she's going to be sending in a lab all day. She needs uh, sensible shoes. Yeah, I dig them. I think she's got style. I think Gwen looks great. Okay, that's <laughs> decided. Also, Peter's looking great. Peter's become um, like a fashion plate. Peter's a hunk. Peter's a straight-up hunk. Look at him on panel. Peter's the best-looking guy in the school. He's the best-looking guy, and he's on a scholarship. He's on Easy Street. Yeah, and he's a superhero. Everyone's walking around with pleated pants, and Peter's got this this cool checkered shirt going on. His shoulders are as broad as all get out. I mean, this is an alpha male walking down the corridor here. He looks a little better when his hair's a little mussed up here. He's got it sort of greased back. But got, yeah. otherwise, he's looking good. But that is of the fashion. So um, I, this was kind of like my favorite subplot. And um, there is kind of a fun mixture of them. Like the Craven story is kind of a dud but, you know, jumping back and forth between, like, Betty and Gwen and the Craven, what it is sort of cool. And the Ditko art makes everything. It's drawn well. It's not a poorly drawn issue. We yeah. had a few of those pre-Master Planner. Around this the time of the of second annual. Yeah. Yeah, it looks good. Um, uh, you know, it's a solid story. You know, like, when you love a TV show, some episodes are just sort of like they're good, even though they don't advance the overall doings of the whatever. And this is one of those. I just, I think at the end of the day... If this Craven hounding Jonah was played up better, honestly, you're, you're not going to like this. If you took out this college story and put that space for hounding Jonah and the Nails Hogan gang, that you story might, you might be right. out to be just so much more fun. You're probably right. You just need the pages or make this a two issue storyline. But I don't know if it's quite enough for that. This does. This does. Uh, this issue also marks the return of the Stan Lee impatient caption, where yes. like after three pages of setup, he apologizes to the reader for things not getting going quickly enough. Which was happening in a lot of issues pre Master Planner, and I'm still impressed it was not mentioned in issue 31, which is all set up. There's not a panel in there going, "Boy, oh boy!" It does. There's like a last panel going, "This is going somewhere," but. Not in a, I apologize for what you read. Yes. Yeah. But we do have the apology back in this issue. Stan yeah. Lee is crapping on his antagonistic artist uh, or the artist with whom he has an adversarial relationship. Sorry, I can't think of what big word I want to use there. Um, so that that's the issue, right? That's the whole issue. There's not 
a lot to it. I think that's going to be true. If I remember correctly, that's going to be true for a lot of the next few issues. Yeah. Why are you still listening to this podcast? Get out of here. You should have stopped last week. We apologize for how this podcast is going nowhere. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting because to me, Ditko is a giant. He's one of the giants in the comics world. And we're watching the end of his most famous work. So I'm interested in everything he does. Like Paul McCartney just released a solo album. I love the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually do love this solo album. But even if it was a bad solo album, I would listen to it just because it was Paul from the Beatles. You know what I mean? Like once someone has done enough great work, anything they do sort of becomes interesting because it tells you more about them. Yeah. And, and Ditko is one of those guys for me. Yeah, but they discovered a Ditko Stanley Spider-Man story that had been oh, unpublished. Man. And they were like, they unpublished it because it's terrible. I'd still read it. I'd be like, yeah, I'm reading that a hundred times. Course. Now of- get it up to the average of everything else I've read by them. Yeah, just for OCD reasons, you'd yeah. have to read it a hundred times. Um, but it, yeah, I, so we got a B, B plus story here. It's not too bad, really. Um, that's that's uh, that's our issue. Yeah. Um, do we just go into awards? Let's just do awards, yeah. Best panel. There are a lot of great panels in this. Yeah. I want to go quickly and just name a few since we didn't go in order if, just of anything of interest. But I will say what like my favorite panel is when we get to it. I think the splash page is great, by the way. All right, let me check which it out. Which is um, just Craven kind of coming in through a curtain through all his like stuffed animals. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Ditko draws great animals. It's beautiful. Really his his when, he, um, when he attacks the lion at the bottom of page two is really great looking. Yeah. Um, I think when Peter's tearing off his shirt to reveal his Spider-Man to dream. That's Betty awesome. Brent, that's a great panel. Not yep. my favorite. Bottom of page not, three. Not my pick. Also on that page, you also see Craven uh, uh, in his civvies. That's he, fun. He looks like the Sandman. He's got a little Sandman shirt going. Ditko loves horizontal line shirts. Yeah. Uh, also, every criminal in this story is at least 41 years old, which is like the average Ditko villain. I do love that Spider-Man is 18 and he's fighting 40-year-olds. <laughs> Minimum. Most of them are probably older. Like People like Vulture. 95 60, or something. Yeah. Not, yeah. Um, in fact, a lot of the Betty panels are great in that dream sequence. Uh, the I, picture of Gwen's shoe. Yeah, I like that. I even just like Gwen sort of sh- uh, shrugging off the guys and sort of sauntering off is a really great, well-drawn panel. Yep, it's really fun. Uh, it's tough. To, okay, well, I'm going to pick a Spidey panel. Uh, I'm picking a late panel, very late in the issue. I'm just trying to find it here. It is after he has defeated Craven and nails Hogan. Okay. And he is walking off sad because he's decided not to go see Betty. Oh, nice. Panel three of page uh, 19. 19. Yeah, that yeah. is that is really beautiful. Sort of moody. It, it's it's not uh, an energetic action panel, but it's just sort of spi- – it, it somehow really looks sad with not a lot of lines. Ditko is good as a subtle thing that I'm trying to get across this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to pick not, not a banner panel but a transition one. Panel three on page 17. Craven – uh, swinging Spidey into an open window. These guys mount each other a lot. Spider-Man mounted a uh, Green Goblin like that a few times. Uh, we wouldn't be the first ones to suggest that you can certainly read a homosexual undertones into a lot of comic book stories uh, without too much effort. But we might be the last ones if we did it. Oh, let's do it then. <laughs> uh, what is your um, Stan Lee dialogue? I'm not ready. You go first. Oh, well, am I ready? Okay, I'll do it. I'll do I am it. ready, actually. I'll do it. It's a, as usual, it's teenager dialogue. Um, And it's when one of the guys says to Gwen Stacy, honey, the guy who finally takes you out of circulation will be the most hated Joe on campus. (laughs) And I got a runner up is when Peter makes a joke to Aunt May. Okay, no touch football for a while here. Aunt May's response is my runner up. Peter Parker, you're a caution. Yeah, that's a very weird. Yeah. Stan Lee-ish line. Also, touch football, uh, um, football gags. I think Peter makes a lot to Aunt May. Uh, yeah, that's true. Hang on. I got another one. I, I, hang on. I got another one. Forget it. Forget everything I just said. This is my one. This is my award. Peter realizes that everybody hates him and he thinks to himself, now I get it. When I was worried about Aunt May wrapped up in my own problems, they thought I was high hatting them. <laughs> high hatting? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to use that word every sentence for the rest of my life. It doesn't apply to everything you say. <laughs> I'm picking a little Spider-Man quip for my line of dialogue. Okay. I like these sort of rejoinders he sometimes gives in a battle. Craven says to him, 
You fool, I can, I can outfight a full-grown lion in his prime, while you have only some sort of spider power. First of all, I love the idea of some sort of... Yeah, it's been demonstrated to be such a formidable yeah. thing. But also, like, some sort of, it's, like, very, very spidery power. Like, you're underselling it by a lot. But Spider-Man's response is, you certainly know how to hurt a person. <laughs> and he's, like, getting punched in the same panel. But I love that, that he's is very funny. emotionally hurt by insulting his power set. That's a very Spider-Man joke. Uh, okay, your award is better than mine. Um, highlight. I think we already know what your highlight is. My highlight is say. the Gwen Stacy, Peter Parker. Is is My highlight is the lighthearted tone of Peter Parker back in college. Uh, Peter and Gwen flirting. I guess my highlight will be the Betty Brant dream nightmare. Yeah, it's a good one. It's well drawn and cool. It's sort of a lame comic book fake out in a way, but I like it. Um... Yeah, it worked well. It's and it's so well drawn. What's your low light? I'm gonna say it's the underselling of the hounding J. Jonah Jameson. That's a big choice to make to not really do anything with. Okay. It's like one line of dialogue where Jonah thinks like, Oh man, I was wrong. Spider Man's good. Yeah. But it's like, oh, we didn't even get to see you sort of terrified and we some drawings of it, but I w I wanted to dig into that. Really should be from Jonah's point of view. This whole story, it just should be like a uh, uh, Astro City Jonah story. Yeah. Um, my low light is going to be the underwhelming end of the Craven Peter Spider-Man fight where he just knocks him out with one punch and it's over. Yeah, I want to talk about that just for one second because I think it's funny how easy the fight is won. Yeah. It's page 18. Uh, they've been fighting for a while. Um, and the second to last panel of the fight, or maybe third to last, uh, Spider-Man punches Craven with a sound effect of Brack and he goes, whew, at last I lay, I got a good punch in mustn't give him a chance to recover, he's too strong gotta keep hammering while I can and then he knocks him out <laughs> there's lots of good dialogue in this one actually um, page 17 panel 4 uh, sorry, actually that last panel, that last punch on page 18, panel 5 is great too, it looks great Craven is knocked off his feet I want that to be my panel you already picked a panel. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> Those awards were already sent out. Okay. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Then I'm not giving out a word for this, but I do like this line in the fight. Page 17, panel four. I'll be darned if he isn't as good as he says he is. He herded me into this window like an eagle carrying a lamb. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, I think Stanley's a good writer. <laughs> uh, what was your low light? Did you say? Uh, the underwhelming end oh, yeah, yeah, of the fight. Again. So that's it. We have, that's all our uh, awards. That's all our awards, yeah. Congratulations, issue 34. Yeah. Um, we have a decent amount of time. Yeah, we do. Want to do some reader mail? We're way Yeah, behind. we got some reader mail to catch up on. Let's do it. All right, let's see how many we can get through. Again, if you want to write us, it's screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitspidey on Twitter. Yeah, and if you want to look at our Instagram pictures, it's screwitspidey on Instagram. See, it's pretty easy to remember. Yeah, so uh, I got a stack of emails here. Screw it, Spidey also could be the name of like a Spider-Man themed do-it-yourself home repairs channel. <laughs> Screw it, Spidey. Like, yeah. Hey, everybody. I'm a dude dressed up as Spider-Man and I'll be showing you how to fix things around your house. First, you got to have a trusty screwdriver at hand. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's how I use everything. Okay. Tonight's problem, flooded basement. <laughs> okay. So take your screwdriver. <laughs> um, somebody, this is just a compliment we got on the um, Master Planner coverage. There's a moment in the first issue uh, where Will says in the middle of, and at the middle, I think of Aunt May smiling at Peter as he talks about college as she's dying. Will yes. just said out of sort of impulse, Ooh, this is so good. <laughs> and they said they loved it. It's a distillation of all they love about this podcast. That's Garrett Palm who wrote that. That's Garrett. Yep. Garrett. Thank you, Garrett. Um, Garrett is an actual human friend that I have. I think uh, I might know a lot of these people who write. Uh, Keith Moser yep. has written a few times. He wrote to say he was underwhelmed by issue 31. Fair. And then he's written back after reading the next two issues. Uh-huh. Um, he enjoyed issue 32 a good amount. So okay. Let's see if there's anything specific I want to pull from what he says. We're doing this by the seat of our pants. Keith Moser wrote us a nice long email. Oh, and thank really you for long. doing that, Keith. Um, um, we love it. But uh, it's overwhelmed us. And well, he agreed to... with me, first of all, that uh, Dr. Ox reveal should have been at the end of the issue, not the beginning of the issue. All right, so thank well. you for agreeing with me. Okay. <laughs> uh, he was disappointed that it was Dr. Octopus in general. I think he sort of wanted to be a new villain. That's probably what Ditko wanted. Um, uh, and he said he liked it, but then he read issue 33 and he sent me another long email that I don't have in front of me. Was also underwhelmed by it. I think we oversold it to Keith. 
So, Keith, I apologize. Um, that, we certainly oversold it. I mean, you, I mean, I've never hyped anything so hard in my life. So, uh, it's pretty fair to say we oversold it. But I mean, we do really love it. Um, I, I like that he's being honest with us in yeah. his opinion. Uh, I could totally understand it. It's a 50-year-old story or whatever it is. 10, yeah. 20, 30, 40, almost 50. I think he just found that like it was a lot of setup. Uh, and then the second issue was great. A lot of good action. It is 50. It's over 50. And then like so. the last issue sort of is also not a lot. I mean, it's one big action set piece. Most half of that spent lifting up a weight. Uh, though I think you do need to remember like when you read it in context with all these other issues, n- you never put that much time into like one thing. Yeah, but it's fair to judge a story on its own. Yep. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe it's the kind of story that you and I, it sort of hit us out of surprise. I just thought I was going to read an, a normal Spidey story and got that. Maybe that's what it takes. It to might be. have also been helped that we were younger. Yeah, could have I been. I mean, yeah. I was very young. Yeah. I you was were like 31? 31. Nick, it was a baby. Yeah. Uh, what were I'd you, only like done 10, like three Heralds. 10, 11, 12? Uh, I was probably 13, actually. Yeah. But I was a young, emotionally immature 13. Yeah, so I was like eight or nine, probably, because I think I read it a little bit after you read it. Okay. Um. Yeah, whatever. It's uh, great. Keith is wrong. Anyway. <laughs> no, thank you, Keith. Keith is wrong, but we do appreciate hearing your opinion. Uh, it was great. And actually, it's really well thought articulated. Out, yes. Uh, um, Thanks for giving it a shot. Thank yeah. you for giving it a shot. Uh, I, you know, I hope you don't feel like you wasted your time and or money reading it. But I if you, you did, we understand that you're right to think so. And we're not going to reimburse you. But if you want to waste more money, you can send me a PS4. <laughs> uh, I'll send you my address <laughs> after this podcast. Uh, Nicholas emailed us. Uh, and we get a few of these every now and then. For Do you not who, like saying the last names because you don't want to? A out- couple of people ask me not to, okay. and so I forget which one. So I'm just not saying them now. Okay, to play it safe. Okay. Uh, Nicholas emailed me uh, a while back, and we get a few of these every now and then where people are like, "Hey, uh, I never really read these issues before, or I never mm. really looked at them in depth, and I really appreciate doing it either either the reading along with us or just listening to our podcast." But they're appreciating hearing this old history. He's talking about how he's reading an issue of Captain America, Sam Wilson which is a title that is uh, not happening right now, but for a little while, Sam Wilson, the Falcon, was a Captain America. Okay. Uh, and in that issue, the Circus of Crime showed up. Uh, he was, it was quick, unnecessary, a uh, uh, little fun thing, but I knew exactly what was going on because of your podcast. <laughs> uh, he also calls us, tells us to don't be a coward, which I enjoyed. <laughs> uh, and then compliments Will playing, I think, Morpheus, the Dream Lord on Comedy Bang Bang. Yes, I've done that like... I think four times. He's a he's a fan of that character. Thank you. I mean, as you know, I stole it whole whole cloth from the okay. comic book. If Neil Gaiman is listening to this or Comedy Bang Bang, <laughs> do not sue. It's not worth it. <laughs> I was having trouble coming up with characters, and I was like, why not use one that's great? <laughs> uh, here's a guy named Peter from Forest Hills. Ooh. Uh, who, His name's Peter, and he lives in Forest Hills? Yeah, that's right. His last name is not Parker. Thank God. Uh, be too much. But he talks about how he really pays attention to the Forest Hills stuff. Okay, uh, yeah, and it how makes it sense. relates to his home, and like uh, he talks about in the movies, they use some of the same addresses. Oh, that's fun. Um, and the can you read? Can you read just a snippet from sure, it? Sure, sure. Um, he talks a little bit about like he's got a blog where he goes into details, which I do not have in front of me. Okay, um, but he talks about in the McGuire Dunst film, the first time Peter clambers up a wall, they show him first running around a corner at the intersection of Austin Street and Ascan Avenue in Forest Hills. And that's real. I guess that's a real corner. That's a real street corner. And he continues, I liked the nod to the real Forest Hills. Yeah, I can understand yeah. that. That's cool. Uh, I like I like that it's Forest Hills because that is such a non-glamorous neighborhood. But yeah. it also is residential. Like, it's conceivable. I think he talks about, like, sometimes they make it seem more uh, downtrodden than it is. Because this is really kind of a nice area. Lots of trees. And, yeah. And uh, I've only been there a couple times, but it's... It's a really nice part of New York. There's some really nice parts of Forest Hills. Yeah. And uh, you could like buy a house there and have this like very nice home in New York City. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it costs, but I mean like it, they are there. Yeah. They also have like just apartment, it's big enough that there's like big apartment complexes that look more like city-like. It's almost like any town where there's different areas, there's good areas and bad areas, but uh, it certainly feels like Peter probably lives in one of the nicer areas despite not having Also, who knows what it was like in the 60s versus now. Somebody does. Not me. Uh, uh, Brian emails. He also uh, was excited. He's really got into these stories. He, uh, he's an artist and he enjoys the Ditko stuff that we talk about. Ditko hands and the expressions. He says it's helping him through art school. Let me hear a sentence. I need to hear these guys how they. Sure. Um, he said he read the Marvel fantasy reprints as his first exposure to Ditko's art and plot. I'm an artist and Ditko's hands and expressions helped me through art school. 
the podcast has opened my eyes to Strangers in Paradise and Terry Moore. Oh, That's Kevin Hines' favorite. Uh, or fave. Like I, yeah, it's rec- one of my recommendations. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I hope you continue the podcast after Ditko run, but dive into some of Moore's stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Terry Moore did a short run on, um, uh, what is it? Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. A little oh, really? very fun uh, title that existed. Sort of a, a young adult continuity free story that I also loved. Oh, that sounds right up your alley. Uh, it's great. Um, um, good tip. Yeah. Thank uh, you, Brian. That's from Brian. This uh, this person, Luke, addressed us as Los Bros Hines. <laughs> right after, a man after my own heart. And he signs it off, long live Fancy Dan. <laughs> so Will might have written this email. <laughs> Luke, if you ever get into a position of being a television development executive and you want to help me make the Fancy Dan Netflix show. Uh, but Luke, like us, started reading the Ditko Lee stuff before he read other stuff. He oh, said okay. he started with the essentials, the black and white giant tomes that like reprinted a bunch of Spider-Man comics. I poured over those black and white pages for hours and hours and reread that book so many times the binding started to come loose. Nice. Revisiting these issues for the first time in color along with your podcast has been an absolute blast. And I can't believe just how much joy it's brought to me. So I truly thank you for that. Oh man, what a nice thing to say. I will say that like for me, a lot of the post issue 20 uh, stories I read that I read in black and white. Yes, I read the those first time. I read those in the essentials yeah. first, and so those were black and white reprints. So seeing them in color, when I started reading those in color, I I also had that same thing. It's just like I love them in black and white. I was like, I can't imagine them being better, and yeah. they are better in color. Of course, they're better. Yeah, they were made for color. <laughs> yeah, some issues like the Molten Man sort of need to be in color to really. Uh, this sort of them. touches on something we just talked about, though. I forget how different a character Gwen Stacy is from when Ramita takes over. In an alternate universe where Ditko stayed on the book indefinitely, a great alternate universe to live in. Yes. What do you think of Gwen's character? How do you think she would have been like and how would she have been developed? Uh, and what do you think uh, uh, Ditko's Mary Jane would have been like? Ooh, very intriguing. This is interesting because I think like a lot of Ditko's, because Ditko's a weird dude by yeah. anybody's estimation. And he like lived alone and never got married. We don't really know a lot about his personal life. I'm going to think even the most generous estimation of Ditko, you'd have to assume this dude is a somewhat shut down emotionally. Yeah. Um, now that works for like a teenager dealing with his everyday problems. Cause maybe Ditko had, maybe he was like emotionally a teenager in, in some ways. Mm-hmm. But now when you start to get into like mature relationships with women and I don't even know if Ditko had these. I think it would have been a real challenge for him. I, I don't know for sure. Or or maybe it would have been way more sincere and genuine or something like that, you know? Like a man in a desert writing about water might be more eloquent than somebody's got tons of water. Like but I eat no matter what, I think there would have been more anger involved in these yeah, relationships. I think Gwen would have been angry. I think there would have been a lot of fighting. They would have been very uh contentious. Best case scenario, like a moonlighting. Yeah, uh, Howard Hawks sort of back and forth, yeah. blah, blah, blah. They would have kind of always been getting under each other's skin but loved each other. That's the best case. Probably they would just be fighting all the time. And Mary Jane would probably be a redundant character. Or I think, I think he wouldn't like Mary Jane. I think he would make Mary Jane... She'd be a totally different person than what we know empty. her as. Yeah, I think she'd probably be like a vapid, super shallow... Like Gwen would be the substance girl. Yeah, and Mary Jane was a little bit of that at first, but I think that would be played up to the nth degree. Yeah. Um... But I don't know. Maybe Ditka would have surprised us. Uh, he, he's, he certainly seemed to have a magic touch when it came to this book. If we get to a point and I should stop going through emails, well, we're good. Let me know. Uh, but anyway, thank you. That was from Luke. Thank you, Luke. Yeah, long live Fancy Dan. Uh, this is from Joseph. Okay. Uh, here's another person who talked about uh, that he's a big fan of Spider Man through the movies, cartoons, and video games, but never read the comics consistently. Okay. Um, because I was listening, listening to this podcast, I decided to get into the modern comics. He jumped in at amazing six ninety eight. Uh, that's right at the go, end of Dan Slot's. Uh, no, Dan Slot ended at eight hundred. Oh, so it's like the middle of Dan Slot's run. Okay, it's right before a big storyline Dan Slot did, where uh, Doctor Octopus took over Spider Man's mind. Oh, and yeah, became the superior Spider Man. So Spider Man was controlled one hundred percent by Doctor Octopus, mm. and he like lived Spider Man's life for a while trying to prove that he would be a better Spider-Man than Spider-Man ever would. Okay. I remember hearing about that. It's a, it's a ridiculous idea and a really fun story anyway. Okay. Um, he kind of gives us some recap, but he talks about how in that storyline, there's references to the ringmaster, Ned Leeds, the crime master, the scorpion blaming Jameson for what he has become. Uh, Peter Palmer comes up. I don't remember that part, but I believe him. 
the living brain is his personal assistant, which I do think we mentioned in an older episode of this. <laughs> so a lot of these old Ditko stories get mined during that part of the story. Uh, that's fine. And Slot did a lot to rehab Dr. Octopus to make him a threat again. He'd sort of become a buffoon. Become of? a buffoon. And the Green Goblin was sort of the only real villain. Uh, okay. And Slot sort of upped Doc Ock to be like, this guy was his first real villain and he should still count. Yeah. The Doc Ock stories under Ditko are better than the Goblin stories. Uh, thank you, Joseph. Yeah, that was Joseph. Next one's from Joe, not to be okay. confused with Joseph. Okay. Uh, he, uh, he's sad that we're ending at 50, 41, but he says Ditko's work needs to be looked at separately. So he appreciates us ending our podcast soon. Thank you, Joe. Or wants it to be over. Oh yeah. Just diplomatic way of saying shut up already. Yeah. Uh, he was a fan of Spider-Man as a kid, um, but he didn't really know Ditko. Uh, until our podcast, so that's that's flattering to introduce him to that. Yeah, idea. yeah, that's a. I think he had heard the name, but it didn't really know it. It sounds sure. like. Uh, I just turned thirty this summer, so my Spidey hood was the '90s cartoon and a couple VHSs of the '70s cartoon. I like the term Spidey hood. Uh, it's nice, yeah. <laughs> I do. Cheap comics in bulk. Uh, uh, I first came across were the Clone Saga. Weird. As a child, I didn't realize this was an overly convoluted story with confusing characters. I just thought it was a new and crazy storyline with extra Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he talks about the Marvel Spider-Man Ultimate Guide by Tom DeFalco. And in this, he talks about it feels like it's a little bit shit-talking Ditko. So I'm going to read the part he quotes. Okay, this is from the Tom DeFalco Marvel Spider-Man Ultimate Guide. Yes. Ramita's artwork brought a new elegance to the series, and his plots were more straightforward. Uh, and that really, I think, got under his skin because it yeah. sounds a little... Backhanded. A little backhanded towards Ditko there. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't believe, I think DeFalco's a huge Ditko fan. He worked with Ditko on a few things later on. I think DeFalco might have been the writer of Speedball. Yeah, I think DeFalco worked to get Ditko work when Ditko yeah. was down on his luck. Now, his name is on the cover of this book. That doesn't mean he wrote every line to these sort of it also reference me, books. I, I can totally understand why Joe had this emotional reaction, but it's possible that he's actually trying to up Ramita. Um, like, maybe he's like, oh, these, uh, like, it could be a backhanded compliment to Ramita. Yeah. Like, uh, the plots were more, let's say they're more straightforward. I'm not going to call them boring. Yes. I'm not going to call them predictable. Let's call them straightforward. Yes. I would also say if Ditko read that sentence, he'd be furious. He had a way of being insulted by everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, here, you're totally in the right, Joe, to yeah. think it sounds like an insult. But I just, from reading other things that DeFalco talks about, DeFalco was a huge, huge Ditko fan. Uh, and probably if he had to pick one artist to ever have done Spider-Man, he'd pick Ditko. I don't think DeFalco would pick Ramita. No, yeah. He'd want to pick both. Yeah. DeFalco would want to pick everyone who ever worked on the title. DeFalco's a nice guy. <laughs> uh, I think this is an interesting thing I didn't know about, though. Thank you, Joe. Uh, but, I mean, he talks a little bit about what we say. Uh, I, I feel strange there was a man who deserves credit for shaping my idea of what is epic, and the people who are around him don't seem to give him the credit, the literature, or even himself. Uh, I guess it's up to us, the fans and artists he's inspired. Thanks, Spidey bros. I agree with that. We got to... We gotta, and Ditko deserves his legacy. No matter what. Flaws and all. No matter what that book meant, Ditko n will never get enough credit. I agree. Except from, from you and me, I guess. Yeah, or he gets too much credit. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is just a quick one from Ryan. No, that Ryan forwarded this to us. Uh, Sith. I don't know if that's his real name. Uh, Vince is his real name. Okay. Sith is his handle of some sort. Uh, he just talks about that. He, we introduced him to the Spider-Man comics. I'm 28, so I was introduced to Spider-Man through the toys and the animated series. A lot of people are saying that. Okay. Uh, my brother showed me this podcast, and I loved it. I started following along with the comics. I've read ahead about 700 issues. I mean, is that a typo? <laughs> That's insane. 700 issues. So he's read all but 100 Jesus, of them. Jesus, Vince. Take a break. Yeah, you've read too many. Too much Spider-Man. Slow dude. down. Oh, my God. Anyway, my response was just, he only has 100 left. <laughs> by now, he's finished it. Fin yeah, I mean, yeah, by the time he finished that email. Um, anyway, that's just a fun little thing. Mm -hmm. uh, this is from Greg. Uh when I was in first grade or kindergarten, I had these books that were aimed at helping children learn to read through Spider-Man's adventures. Mm. Marvel had a line of action figures at the time as well that would come out with a reprint of a famous comic. 
that featured the hero you were buying an action figure of. My parents bought me a Spider-Man figure that was designed like the Spider-Man costume in Amazing Fantasy 15. And so the issue that came with this toy, uh, a book I remember re- – uh, in fact, that was the issue that came with this toy, a book I remember reading all the time. Mm. So that's great. That's a really cool toy that gets you that first story in a reprint. Smart, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he would also read – he also read the Marvel Adventures Spider-Man stories were sort of uh, all ages Spider-Man stories that came out. 10, 15 years ago, and they were good. Oh, okay. A lot of them were good. I mean, inconsistent, but the good ones were really good. Cool. I have a bunch of them. Okay. And I like them. He also read a lot of Ultimate Spider-Man, and that really hooked him, it sounds like. He felt it was more relatable to high school now than the original Ditko stories, uh, which... That totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. So many people got hooked through those Ultimate storylines. Uh, and he's one of the people who mentioned that the cat burglar... From issue 30. Issue 30 has been uh, referenced as uh, Felicia Hardy, the Black Cat's dad. Okay. A much more interesting character, Felicia Hardy. Yeah. But also, for our sake, means the Black Cat is a Ditko creation. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yes, that's good. So he can take credit for the yes. Black Cat. Okay. Yeah. He also sent us some drawings of Spider-Man that I'm showing to Will right now. He did, did these? He did? Yeah, he did these. Oof. That punching one especially is really good. Yeah. Nice. So The rest uh, of them are shit. No, no I'm kidding. Okay. I mean... <laughs> Uh, Connor was another person who wrote, wrote to us about Walter Hardy being Felicia Hardy's dad. Oh, thank you, Connor. Um, uh, here's, a, here's this one's really great. This is from Ernie. Okay, and uh, he's from Australia. Practically giving away his real identity. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. You, you narrowed it down. It's Ernie in Australia. Um, he he says Nick Fury was based on uh, Foswell's alter ego Patch. Because <laughs> he wears an eye patch. Because <laughs> he wears an eye patch. So, so Ditko can take credit for Nick Fury. Yeah, Nick Fury you know, was I created do think by Nick Fury was created concurrently with, if not before, <laughs> yeah, the, if the, not the well fit. before. I love it. Ditko made, as far as I'm concerned now, Ditko made Nick Fury. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore show. Uh-huh. Uh, Betty Brant is Mary. And Lou Grant is obviously J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, so Ditko created the Mary Tyler Moore That's show. Right. He created one of the greatest sitcoms of all time. And Steve Ditko deserves all the credit for the Mary Tyler Moore show. <laughs> Uh, Mary Tyler Moore deserves some credit, I guess. Twenty percent. Uh, George R. R. Martin was inspired to create Tyrion Lannister after reading about Fancy Dan. <laughs> so a shorter villain, yeah, inspired him to create. It seems like he might he, not be powerful at first, but he's yeah. really crafty. Took him to the next level with Tyrion Lannister. So, a little bit. So okay. Yeah. Game of Thrones is a Ditko creation. The entire Game of Thrones universe is a Ditko creation. Okay. So that's great. That's really fun. Uh, uh, Justin, he's written to us a few times. Um, Talks, he, he was just giving us characters that Ditko didn't create, so he's doing the work kind of working people. against us. Yeah, yeah, working yeah. against us. Uh, he talked about how we mentioned Venom, Kingpin, and Black Cat, but we've taken away Venom and Black Cat, and you gave Kingpin to Daredevil to so nobody created him or something. He's just not important this since count. he's not a Spider-Man character <laughs> sure. in, in my view. But he mentions the Rhino as a character that was created post Ditko. Who's kind of a big part of the Spider-Man universe. It's a big name. A lot of people know him. He was in that 60s cartoon a lot, too. He says he's at least on the scale of Scorpion Electro. I think that's true. And that's true. He also mentions Boomerang, who's like a ripoff of the Flash's Captain Boomerang. Uh, I don't think that's a really major character. I've never heard of him. Um, he's He's been back a lot lately because Nick Spencer, who's the current writer, uh, likes that character and wrote him in Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Okay. But definitely was not created by Ditko until someone proves otherwise. Okay. Uh, the Punisher, that's a big one that was created in a Spider-Man comic. Oh, right. The Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, so is Cloak and Dagger. So is Cloak and Dagger. They were created in Spectacular Spider-Man. He also Spider-Man. mixed Rocket Racer. Do you remember this guy? I do remember Rocket Racer. Uh, I think Dwayne McDuffie uh, had a comment that uh, not all black superheroes need to be on skateboards. <laughs> this is one of the one of a few characters he was referencing. <laughs> um, here's one for you, Will. Okay. Uh, Connor. Uh, maybe a different Same Connor. Connor same Connor. Same Connor. Uh, he wants to know who you'd cast in the Enforcers TV show. That's hard. Did I say this before? I don't remember. Didn't I try to make a guess at this, like right off the top of my head? Yeah, but I don't remember what you said. I'll do it again. I might be in. I might end up saying the same people. Or All right, Ox, people. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Um, I do think you did this? Yes, go. Um, Montana, my friend Robert Baker, who was on Wrecked. Okay, he has a great draw, and I bet you he could do rope tricks. Yeah, he could learn them anyway if he couldn't. Fancy Dan, Steve Buscemi. I mean, the age difference so, of these guys is going to be a little tough to write around. <laughs> Steve Buscemi. Is Fancy Dan next to The Rock? You know what? I didn't think it through. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll watch it. 
Uh, here's another. <laughs> there's room. There's room to improve that. <laughs> I don't think there is. When you get it right the first time, there's no <laughs> way you can fix it. I forgot how old Buscemi was. <laughs> Very old now. <laughs> Whoops. Um, this is somebody who asked us. This is a. Uh, uh, I don't have his real name, but he's Blizzard the Wizard. Uh, he okay. asks us if the Enforcers started a podcast, which I yeah. love this idea. Uh-huh. What would it be about? Um, I mean, I guess it would have to be like heists and how to do them. Yeah. You know, like yeah. sort of like an insider's look at committing heists, like their tips and tricks or I whatever. Mean, this is an episode of your TV show where like. <laughs> Crime's not working out for them, so they try to start a podcast. They're, yeah, they get addicted and, to comedy bang banger, <laughs> or they hear how much the Doughboys make off their Patreon. And they're like, "Got Ox, we got to get into this." <laughs> I don't think Ox would be a great podcast personality. His main would. personality is eating apples and punching. I don't think any of them would be able to relate to common criminals. Montana <laughs> would be like, "Well, first thing you got to do is you got to make sure your lassos <laughs> don't got any knots in them already." <laughs> Fancy Dan's just like, well, how good's your judo? I might, if I get asked to do comedy bang bang again, I might have to be like Montana or somebody like that. Um, or fancy. I'll be you'll fancy. never be asked to do a comedy bang. Yeah, it could be over. You never know. You never know. Uh, uh, and then last one. This is Justin again. Same Justin, Justin again. We have like eight listeners. Uh, just with that <laughs> but they email all write emails. The ones that email us are, are few and far between. Uh, Justin is still trying to get us to continue this podcast after issue 38. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just listed some other sort of Peter Parker inspired characters that we could cover. Uh, I don't think we would cover any of these characters, but I want to know whether you've heard of them and your thoughts of them. Well, okay. Firestorm. Oh, sure. I mean, what do you know about him? He's got a torch for a head. I think he can transmute matter or something like that. Mm -hmm. He's one of these like matter transformers on a chemical basis. Yeah. Um, was he in amazing friends? No, he was in super friends. He's DC. Uh, Okay. Um, and uh, a later, a later version of Super Friends near the end of its run. I remember him as like a late 70s guy. Uh, I, that's all I know about him. He also he is two people merged into one. Mm. So he's got like the mind of a scientist sort of talking to him the whole time. OK, I forgot about that. Uh, Darkhawk. Never heard of him. <laughs> uh, I don't know a ton about him. He was a cop who like found an alien space amulet that turned him into a hero. I think during the 90s, very popular with a select group of people. I've never really gotten into him. Okay. But uh, he exists. Sleepwalker? I don't know Sleepwalker. Uh, I've never read a Sleepwalker comic, but he is somebody who, when he falls asleep, uh, Sleepwalker pops into existence and fights crime. Okay. So it's like the only way this guy can fight crime is to go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speedball? Sure, I know Speedball. It's a Ditko creation. Yeah. Um, who I don't, I just, I know there's like balls bouncing everywhere. I think it's like little energy balls that kind of are yeah. like, like a pinball basically. I think he generates like a kinetic field that like makes him bounce off of things. Oh, okay. Um, gravity. Have you ever heard of this guy? Pretty, no. not a ton of comics on gravity. I think he just manipulates gravity. He's almost like, a uh, G from uh power pack. Great power pack reference. Uh, Second most important comic book in Marvel history. That doesn't help anyone who's listening to those podcasts, but he's just someone who can sort of manipulate making things heavier or lighter. Okay. Um, Those are all like young kids coming to grips with having powers. It's a very common character trait now. Like Spider-Man was so popular at that time. There were no kids that were not sidekicks. Yeah. And now there are tons of young adults and or teenagers that are superheroes. Yeah. I mean, the X-Men. Um, uh, and one last one I just want to talk about that I think is fun. Okay. Um, and then I'm through everything. This is from Twitter. Okay. Uh, whoops. Uh, this is Dan. He posted a tweet um, that he's been reading the old Spider-Man comics to his daughter. Okay. And she did a chalk drawing of Spider-Man fighting the Green Goblin. Oh, this is very cute. Yeah. Um, drawing of Spider-Man whose body looks like a turtle with like two f- flippers, but he's defeated the Green... Oh. Am I getting the characters? I can't tell you. Okay. <laughs> I'm unsure which character's which. But there's webbing and there's a Spider-Man person and then there's a goblin person. It looks like the goblin is celebrating that the green goblin is gone. It does look a little bit like that, yeah. That might be Betty Brant. Oh, okay, yes. And, um, well, anyway, good job. Anyway, this daughter's it's hooked, super cute. And I love it. Yes. Uh, so, anyway, that's a lot of great emails. We just burned through a ton. I'm sorry we didn't give them more time each, but... Uh, 
we let them all build up over the last four or five episodes. Thank you so much for writing. So please write in more. We're out of emails now. <laughs> yeah, if you have any theories over why you why you do like or don't like these Ditko issues, that'd be something interesting for me to hear. Any pitches from my Enforcers TV show? Um, if anyone can prove why Steve Ditko created Superman and Batman. Ooh, that'd be a really big I'd help be, for us. I'd be real interested in that. It's going to be theory. tough because I don't think he was doing comics or maybe even out of elementary I mean, school. They predate Spider-Man by 30 years. <laughs> so uh, go no, for 20. it. Go for it. If you can find a way, that'd be great. 39. Yeah, 20 years. Just 20 years? Easy then. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess that's it. Yeah, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll be back next week with issue 35. That's right. Uh, good job, Kevin. Good podcast. Good job, Will. Good podcast. Bye. Bye. Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man. Hey, what's up, sinners all around the world? My name is Joe, and I am inviting you to join me every other Sunday on Choose Your Own Religion to interview comedians, musicians, pastors, atheists, academics, other smart people about their take on God and spirituality. And uh, sometimes we even make up a religion. It's called Choose Your Own Religion, not take whatever one there is. So uh, check us out and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. And until then, you're in my thoughts and prayers. That's Choose Your Own Religion on Campfire Media. Campfire.